Hello, and welcome to episode 200 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to Janelle C., Patty O., Brittany W., Garvita K., Jeanette B., and Steve Y. to the Modern Manager community. As you can tell, today I am celebrating 200 episodes. This feels like a major accomplishment. When I launched the show in May of 2018, just the idea of getting to 10 episodes felt overwhelming. And now, looking back, I am so proud of what I was able to do and how many managers like yourself I've been able to help. So thank you for listening and for making the show part of your professional development. Whether you are a longtime follower or this is your first episode, whether you listen regularly regardless of the topic or scroll through to find the episode that speaks to you, it is because of you that I create the show week after week. To celebrate reaching 200 episodes, I am offering 20% off of all annual memberships to the Modern Manager through the end of April. That means that you can get all the episode guides, guest bonuses, private member feed, and extended content for the equivalent of $10 a month. Or you can join our twice-monthly group calls for the equivalent of $33 a month. This discount applies to all membership levels, so to learn more, go to themodernmanager.com slash join and get the discount using code CELEBRATE200. You can also just check the show notes for the links and the details. Now for this special 200th episode, I looked back over all of the guest episodes and thought about what ideas really stood out for me. While every episode and every interview has golden nuggets, I chose five key takeaways that have impacted or stayed with me in some way. And I hope that you'll find these ideas useful, but more importantly, I hope that you'll scroll back into the feed and check out older episodes that maybe you haven't listened to because you're newer to the show, or at the time when it was released, the topic just didn't resonate, but maybe now it will. I hope you'll also go back and listen to older episodes, even if you have listened to them already. I know that when I just did that, it was so amazing how different things stood out to me because since I had those conversations, I've grown and my team has changed. And sometimes just hearing something again makes it pop and sticky in our brain. So without further delay, let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. All right, here's how this is going to go. I'm going to share a snippet from an episode and why I chose it and a call to action for you, a next step. It's my way of helping you to take these ideas and actually put them into work. And I will be right there with you. I have accepted these calls to action because I'm also working on being my best self and becoming the best manager that I can be, just like you. So to start us off, we're going to go deep. In episode 167, Cultivate a Culture of Love with Mohammed Anwar and Frank Dana, Mohammed explains the difference between reflection and introspection. Reflection is something that's commonly practiced in the workplace. It's as simple as, you know, you walk into a meeting where you have to present something. And after the meeting, you reflect on how that presentation went. And you can talk about what you could have done better or how you could have presented differently to achieve, you know, better goals or better outcomes. So that's reflection. That's very surface level. And 
introspection is taking it a level deeper and looking inward and asking yourselves the question after that same meeting and presentation, questions such as, why was I nervous going into that presentation? Or why did I get upset when Frank asked me that question in the middle of the presentation? And it's more of those why questions and around your behaviors and your mindsets in the moment that is an example of what introspection is versus reflection. And in our workplaces, we spend too much time reflecting and there is a place and need for reflection because there are a lot of things we can improve on the what and how we approach stuff, but there's far little time spent by managers on the introspective aspect of understanding why they behave the way in those different scenarios. And unless you can take a moment and look inward and try to understand yourself and answer the why questions as to why you acted the way you did, why you behaved the way you did, you cannot unlock self-awareness. I just love this idea because at least for me, and I'm guessing possibly for you, it's easy to do reflection and so much harder to truly do introspection. And as Mohammed says, Without that introspection, we don't actually understand ourselves and therefore can only really make improvements around the edges. In my mind, it's all about getting to the root cause so that real transformation can happen. It's kind of like the difference between thinking, I need to get better at controlling my emotions so that my team members don't see how annoyed I am, and I need to understand why I'm getting so frustrated by my team members in the first place so that I can address whatever it is that's causing these frictions to begin with. For your next step, Take five minutes for introspection sometime this week. Usually, moments that are full of emotion are an easy place to start. So maybe pick a situation that was hard for you and explore, why was that hard? And why did I show up the way that I did? Next up is episode 53, Moving Beyond Modern Management with Aaron Dignan. In his book, Brave New Work, Aaron encourages us to question whether the fundamental system of our organization is helping or hindering us given the evolution of the world from industrialization to the complexity that we now face. Aaron says, I talk a lot about an operating system as sort of this underlying set of assumptions and principles and practices inside a business or, or an institution. So the OS is kind of that foundational layer. And the, the intersection is a great way to look at two different OSs kind of in action. So we have, we have two roads crossing. The goal is obviously to maximize the flow of traffic while minimizing you know, the risk of accidents. And so one, one OS approach would start with the assumption that people can't be trusted, that they need to be told what to do, that we need tight controls and constraints. And so you end up with a lighted intersection. You've got the red, yellow, and green light. You've got blinking arrows. You've got all this signage. You've got electricity. You've got poles. And you've got a whole you know, control center somewhere far away that's analyzing the flow of traffic and making decisions about how that's all going to work. And the, the sort of job of the driver is to be compliant, right? To, you know, sit there, check your phone. We'll tell you when to go. You don't really have to be present in this situation other than to take orders. And this works quite well and, and it's quite popular. I mean, it's by far the most kind of normal uh, intersection that we see other than maybe stop signs. But there's another operating system. There's another OS and another set of assumptions in the roundabout. So the roundabout takes the assumption that you can be trusted that you can be responsible, that you're in fact kind of responsible for how you show up in the system, and that we can handle all that complexity with just two simple rules. Go with the flow of traffic and give the right away to people in the circle. 
And so, you know, the roundabout, you're on notice, you're present, you have to be uh, mindful when you enter it, you're, you know, because your job that you're doing is, is necessary, and, and the safety of others depends on you. And so it's, you're on a little bit higher alert, you're, you're more present in the system. So those are two different sets of assumptions, two different OSs. What's fascinating to me is that, you know, when you ask the question, like, which one's safer, which one's cheaper to build and maintain, which one has higher throughput, which one works better when the power goes out? The answer to all those questions is the roundabout. But when you ask which one we have more of and which one we feel safer in, for most people, the answer is the lighted intersection. We have 1,113x more lighted intersections than we do roundabouts in the U.S. So there's this impression, there's this status quo that like, oh, of course, they must be better. But for most situations, not all, but for most situations, they're just not better. They're actually not as effective as the alternative. And so without getting into like, you know, traffic statistics and debating every single little nuance of that, the takeaway point is that for everything at work, whether it be a budget or a way we make decisions or the way we run a meeting or the way we think about, you know, our resources or the way we structure teams, there's kind of a lighted intersection way to do it which is the way that assumes less trust and assumes, you know, control is the goal, compliance is the goal. And then there's a roundabout way to do it, which is like, well, what if we did trust? And what if we sort of assumed positive intent and responsibility and created just enough feedback loops and just enough simple rules that people could just show up with their judgment and, you know, show up aware of what our goal and our purpose is and solve the problem that way. And so that is, that's the kind of thought experiment that I put to, to leaders and teams all the time is, do, you know, is what you have a roundabout or is it a lighted intersection? And is, it, is that serving you? I find this metaphor so helpful because it's simple to understand and so accurate with how so many organizations and teams are run. Instead of aligning on outcomes, expectations, and norms, we build all these structures to try and give us certainty and confidence and control that everything will go right. But in reality... We are diminishing all the things that really matter, like motivation and critical thinking and ownership and responsibility. So for this one, your next step is to take 30 minutes with your team and explore if there's something that is currently functioning like a stoplight that could be replaced with a roundabout. And then what would it take to do that? How could you shift from a highly structured, heavy-handed approach to one that has simple but clear expectations with the appropriate oversight? Now we'll shift gears to episode 179, Free Your Time for What Matters Most with Dory Clark. Dory and I were talking about how to free up your time to focus on the things that matter most because somehow 24 hours in a day just never seems to be enough. For most of us, we have gotten at least decent. You know, most people, if you're a reasonably successful professional, you've at least gotten good at saying no to terrible offers. <laughs> like we know, yes, we yes. know well enough about that. But the problem that I talk about in the long game for so many of us is that, you know, we're smart enough to say yes to a great offer. We're smart enough to say no to a bad offer, but it's the ones in the middle that will kill us because for so many things that people throw at us, there are some redeeming features, right? It's, oh, well, you know, it's, it's unpaid, but, oh, there might be somebody in the audience that would be good to connect with, or, oh, you know, it's not really my favorite type of food, but, you know, my friend's inviting me or, oh, well, you know, I don't really have time to do this, but I, I might need a favor from him in the future. So I should probably put something in the favor bank or, you know, like whatever there's, there's a million justifications and it becomes problematic because I mean, yes, all those things are true, but 
it also can suck up your entire life coming up with this list of contingencies about, well, you know, maybe blah, blah, blah. And so in the book, I actually quote Derek Sivers, who's a entrepreneur turned author. And he has a frame that many people will be familiar with, which he calls hell yeah or no. And he he basically has posited that if you really want to get good at saying no, unless something is essentially a nine or a 10 on, on a 10 point scale of, of your level of excitement, you need to say no, because it's the, the sixes and sevens and eights that will kill you and will kill your schedule. Of all the things that I have learned throughout the history of this show, this is the one that I still hear in my head regularly. I want to say yes to everything because I see the potential each opportunity holds. And of course, I want to be a good friend, colleague, community member, wife, or mama. Yet, I now understand that if I say yes to those things that I'm not really invested in, I am setting myself up not to deliver my best, which doesn't serve me or anyone else. So when opportunities come my way or when people ask me to help out, I try to differentiate between the things that really matter and those where I really should just say no up front and then not feel bad about it. And honestly, I am still working on this. So your next step is to do a gut check the next time you get asked to help out or an opportunity comes along. Is it a nine or 10 on the hell yeah scale? Because if it's not, if it's in the middle, take a minute and get honest with yourself about why you would say yes and whether those are the right reasons and what you might have to give up in order to follow through and whether that trade-off is really worth it. In episode 89, Growing into an Inclusive Leader with Jennifer Brown, we talk about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, these concepts are becoming more important in the workplace every day. But we can't address them only through better HR policies or having processes or proclaiming values. We actually need to start learning and taking action. Active is where you choose to do something with your knowledge. It's where you activate. It's where you decide to start to use new language, for example, that you're learning. It's where you start to practice putting this into the world. This is really where the rubber hits the road. It's, it's so important to activate. And yet it comes with some risk because there's a lot of fear, for example, of saying the wrong thing, of intruding, wanting to be seen as an ally, but kind of misapplying it or not having your impact match your intent, as we say. And in active, you need feedback because you're not going to know what you don't know, but you're trying to exercise a new muscle. And in doing so, that muscle is going to be a little sore because you're pushing yourself, right? And so you've got to deal with not always doing things perfectly, trying things and not having them resonate. You may stumble and you may need to apologize, which is totally par for the course. The important thing is that you are actually out there exercising that muscle, right? That you are getting that practice, you're strengthening yourself and your voice, you're broadening your language so that it's more inclusive, you're challenging yourself to be in uncomfortable situations, knowing that so many others around you are uncomfortable on a regular basis. You know, you are trying to speak up, however imperfectly, and you're taking more risk and you're being more public about your journey. And so those are some of the hallmarks of that stage. And you know, my best advice is it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel new. It's going to not always go smoothly. And it's really important to get feedback and have that kind of 
board of advisors, if you will, who have your back and who, with whom you've built trusted relationships. So somebody can come to you and say, like you just shared, maybe like, I don't know how you found out that you made a blunder, but somebody's got to have your back enough to come to you and you need to take feedback graciously and not be fragile about it and not take your marbles and go home and say, oh, this allyship thing is for the birds. I'm not going to try it anymore. You have to be able to receive the feedback too. But you know, you need people who are, believe in you and say, hey, I just want to let you know when you said that, that's a stereotype or that's a microaggression. As Jennifer explains, we're all on a journey because everyone has their own experiences and no one, no matter their race, gender identity, ability, faith, parental status, sexual orientation, or anything else, understands the experiences of every other group. So we all have things to learn and we're all going to make mistakes sometimes, but we need to take action, to speak up, to be allies, to be in relationship, and to do our best to learn from our mistakes and then do better especially because our team members are watching us. We're not only role modeling for them, we're also taking steps to create a workplace where everyone gets to be their best authentic self and do their best work. So your next step is twofold here. First, go learn something about DEIB. Do your research. For example, read a book or listen to a podcast to better understand racism or microaggressions or misogyny or the immigrant experience. And second, find a trusted colleague or board of advisors, as Jennifer puts it, who you can process your learnings with and who will help you recognize when you've made a misstep. Lastly, I've chosen episode 106, Living Your Most Productive Life with Tanya Dalton. Burnout has become such a common reality for so many managers and entrepreneurs. We keep talking about how to achieve work-life balance, but is that really the goal? We have to stop chasing this myth of work-life balance because first of all, it doesn't exist. But second of all, we don't really want that. We don't really want balance because if we really want to grow in any area of our life, personally, professionally, in our work life, in our home life, we need to lean in, right? We need to give more time, more energy, and more focus to those things. Well, that has to come from somewhere else, right? And here's the truth. If life was all perfectly balanced, if we are, you know, spending equal amounts in every area of our life, we're not really able to lean into it, right? It's, it's like riding a bike. You know, being perfectly balanced is great on a bike if you want to go in that same direction, that same path you've always been on. But if you want to choose to turn left, you got to lean to the left. You have to go out of balance. You need to lean so you can, can make that turn the way you want to go. Now, you can't stay lean forever. You'll fall, you'll skin your knee, right? You have to counterbalance and write yourself back up. And then when you want to turn right, you'll lean over to the right, and then you have to counterbalance. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for more of that harmony of the leaning into an area, maybe leaning into work for a season, and then counterbalancing, and then maybe leaning into home life for a while, and then counterbalancing, and then leaning into something else, and then counterbalancing. Because when we lean, when we give more time, when we give more focus and more energy, that's really when we're able to see amazing, incredible things happen because we're giving it more of ourselves. That's when we can see that growth. And I think that's really why we want to do away with this idea of balance. We're continually chasing after balance. When in truth, if we choose to lean and then counterbalance and look at that harmony, we're going to be so much more effective we're also going to be so much happier. 
I really appreciate Tanya's take on this because she's saying that it's okay to work harder for a little while, to spend more time and energy in the work zone when you're down a team member or a big event or project is underway. What's not okay is to stay out of whack. We can shift our time and attention as life unfolds. I know there are times when my kids need me more and there are times where I've got an overflowing work schedule, hence why I need Dory's advice to say no more often. As we get more comfortable with the idea of shifting from one area to another, we can feel good about focusing and giving more instead of bad that we can't do it all. So your last action is to take five minutes to reflect on your life and identify your various domains, like parenting, spousing, attending to your parents, volunteering, work, self-care, spiritual practice. At this moment then, where is your focus? Where do you want it to be? How might you apply this idea of these domains taking turns rather than trying to keep them all running at full speed? If you want even more takeaways, check out episode 52, Year in Review, which is the first time I took a look back and I share five takeaways from guest episodes from numbers one to 52. Also, you probably noticed that I didn't include any solo episodes and there are some real gems in the feed if I do say so myself. So if there is something on your mind right now, go through the archives and take a look. I've probably covered the topic at some point. Finally, before I wrap up, a few really big thank yous. To Andrew for your audio editing magic. It has been a pleasure working with you for almost four years to produce the show. To my awesome assistant, Alexandria, for doing so much to support the show and my life in general. To Rivka for your support with the weekly episodes and your encouragement to up my Instagram game. To all of the members of the Modern Manager community, thank you for investing in yourself and in me. I have greatly enjoyed engaging with so many of you through our Slack group and through our monthly calls. To everyone who has left a rating or review, I know it seems like something small, but it's actually a critical way to help other people know that this show is worth giving a listen. And if you haven't yet left a rating or review, please do so. It only takes a minute. And of course, to all of my guests, Thank you for sharing your expertise with me and my listeners. I have learned so much from each and every one of you. Members of the Modern Manager at the Sprout level and above get this week's episode guide, which includes more details on how to take action on each of these next steps, along with some other goodies that I've thrown in. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And don't forget, I am offering 20% off of every annual membership now through the end of April. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox along with this week's episode mini guide and episode transcript. So if you haven't yet subscribed to my newsletter, you should go get on that list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at MamieKS.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.